Welcome to our Daily Inspiration Podcast. As Inspire Church is walking through a 30-day rule of life, whether you are participating fully or just listening, we hope you are blessed. Hey, Inspire family. This is Luis Hara. I am a campus pastor for Thrive Church in the city of Lathrop. Or most of you might know Lathrop, it's in the Central Valley. And so I am so excited to be with you, family. And uh, again, uh, Pastor Phil, Jamila, uh, love you both so much. And uh, thank you again for the honor to be able to impart into this series with the podcast. And so today we'll be talking about uh, working. And so uh, Faith at Work by Honoring God in your vocation. And so uh, I know oftentimes it may seem like a lot of the work that we do for God is outside of our jobs or might be when we're physically serving in a type of ministerial setting, a type of church or religious setting. And so uh, really, really important to realize and consider that uh, God has a plan for us at our jobs as well, at our workplaces and the way that we interact and um, work with our employers, our uh, employees and uh, coworkers. And so, Again, uh, really excited to talk about this. And it's really been a discovery for me, uh, I'd say through the last maybe 21 years of really learning and understanding the impact, uh, which has taken many years for me to look back. Actually, a lot of times the the impact of walking faithfully, serving people faithfully, serving coworkers and loving on my coworkers and, and being uh, uh, what I would consider a, a testimony uh, of, of Jesus at my workplace has not been seen while I was working there, but many years later. And so it's been kind of exciting to be able to follow a few folks on social media and then really see how some of those early conversations were able to provide a, a launching pad for their discovery in their faith. And so I believe you can do that too. I believe we all have an opportunity. Uh, we we have uh, the word of God. We have uh, Holy Spirit to to guide us and, and uh, lead us into these opportunities. And so uh, let's go ahead and jump in. And so uh, today we want to be talking about uh, our key verse would be in uh, Luke uh, chapter three, and it'll be reading from uh, verse seven to 14. And, and what's happening here is it's John the Baptist is having this conversation with uh, the multitudes. Uh, so multitudes are, have been hearing the message of John the Baptist and now they've actually come out to the wilderness to where he's preaching uh, and they've received his message of repentance. They are uh, coming to be baptized in water by John the Baptist. But, you know, they're, they're also looking at this multitude. There's, there's just different kinds of people from different walks of life. Everyone's coming and, and hearing this message of John the Baptist. And so they're asking and saying, well, what now? So we, we've heard your message. We've come out to the wilderness. We've been baptized. We receive it. But what do we do now? And so we'll get to uh, what a, an important, an honest question that we get to ask. And so uh, today you might be, whether you're, you're just newly walking in your faith or maybe you're new to church here in, in you know, these last couple of years, or you've been serving the Lord for a long time. I'm sure that there'll be some really interesting takeaways for you and, and ways of how we can look at uh how John the Baptist uh, focuses and teaches them around uh, their vocation and and kind of the way to act and the way to be uh, at work, which I thought was really interesting. So let's go ahead and dive in, family. Uh, 
And I just want to go ahead and uh, pray here before we open up. And so, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you you care about uh, our careers. You care about uh, the people that we work around, the people that we serve at work. Uh, you care about our uh, our employers and, and leaders that uh, that we work for and manage the organizations that that we support. And so, um, I know that because you care about that, you can use us to to be. Uh, just so many different things of so many different people, uh, but mainly an extension of who you are to them, whether that would be a message of love, whether that would be a a relationship or community for them or an interest and care into their lives and their challenges and difficulties. And so I just thank you that uh, you can use us to be a light of your gospel to them, to come to know you, to embrace uh, who you are, what you do, and your existence. And so in Jesus' name, I pray you uh, prepare our minds as uh, some of us uh, might be driving or or maybe even working already or possibly just relaxing at home. And so um, would you just uh, uh, help your word to help me to speak your word and illuminate uh, truths to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, family, let's go. Uh, so Luke chapter 3, 7 to 14 says, then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, brought of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed to you. And then we even see this, this last part where he says, uh, Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. So such a good and uh, important word here is that uh, first thing, uh, I want to go ahead and unpack uh, repentance. Uh, the word repentance is just kind of a... That's a cool thing. So uh, in the Greek, repentance means metanoia. Uh, so meta is where we get, uh, it's actually uh, kind of the root word or a prefix, meaning a more comprehensive or transcending. So what would really mean is there, there's a, a more comprehensive change. It's not just an outward change, but it's an inner change. And so uh, an example of meta is a business that doesn't review movies, but instead reviews the reviewers who review mu- movies. And so that would be kind of a more comprehensive study. Um, another example of Meta would be like Facebook recently changed its name to Meta, which seems appropriate as their business model is not to provide free social networks for everyone to interact. Uh, it's very expensive to provide a platform to share, like, comment, love, care about your friends and families, photos and posts. But how they make their money is by learning and interpreting your social connections and interactions. So they focus on gathering information about what makes you tick or even in some cases, what ticks you off. So places you visited and loved or hated, 
things you've purchased or what you celebrate, Facebook or Meta has a pretty good guess on products and services that interest you most. They sell that information to advertisers, businesses, or even other advertisers like Google, allowing businesses to better target consumers who will buy their products. So even Apple, according to many product aficionados uh, or rumors uh, with Google, is set to pay Apple $20 billion for the continued opportunity to gather and share information about its consumers. So in other words, uh, this whole idea of meta where, where uh, organizations are, are changing their names, what they're really saying is we're, we're bigger than just a social network. And in the word repentance or metanoia, uh, what, what John the Baptist was saying with, with repentance is, is that uh, you know, lack of good fruit is the result of a tree that is not good. So even though it seems like it's focusing on the fruit, it's really focusing on the tree itself. And so that would be the more transcendent view, the larger view, the meta view, if you will, the meta change is not necessarily just change of behavior, behavior modification, but he's saying it, it's you, it's, it's your inner, it's the tree, it's, it's, it's your faith. And so in this word, um, as he tells him, he says, you know, uh, we have Abraham as our father. Do not say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. And so what this means here is uh, they were depending on the promise of descendants and possession. So a lot of the things that, uh, that some of the folks that, that were coming that might have been uh, at this point Jewish believers or Pharisees, uh, what they were looking at is they were really standing on the grounds of, of uh, previous promises, promises of descendants and possessions. And that was where they kind of carried a lot of their dependence. So in other words, see, if my confidence in, in God is determined on who I think I am, uh, maybe uh, my political view, uh, the specific church or uh, church ministry where I gather my titles, licenses, certifications, degree, my social status, economic status, or even race, then I pretty much missed the mark. And so the interesting thing is we, we all miss the mark, right? But what John is saying here is that if we're unwilling to repent about missing the mark, or changing, then it may point to a bigger deficiency, a greater deficiency. It's not necessarily just the issue is not just the behavior needing change, but there might be a greater deficiency. So our lack of desire or willingness to repent or change to do the will of our Father in heaven may point to a deficiency of faith. And so this is why James in chapter 2 uh, verses 14 to 17 says, well, what does a prophet, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so it's so important, and this is a great launching pad for us to, to kind of kick this off, because again, as our key scripture in Luke in, uh, 3.10 he says, so the people asked him, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. And so we know that the very first thing that he's telling the multitudes to do is, you know, you're going to be generous. You know, and, and it's really interesting. When I, when I read this earlier this week, I was, uh, my wife and I have been cleaning the house and uh, we we're getting rid of a few things. And so as as we're looking at getting rid of a few things, we have some things that are of value. I had two monitors, 19-inch flat screens that I was using for work, working at home. And so they're no longer useful. I'm not using them, and we have new monitors. And so 
you know, I had uh, extension, I had cables for them, extension cables. Uh, I had adapters for these monitors, all kinds of things that I used for them. And so even the, uh, just one adapter would cost me, you know, 20 to $30. And so I had two of them. And so uh, I thought about selling them. I, I figured they'd be valuable and, and they'd be, you know, somebody would want to buy them. But after reading this, I said, you know what, let me find out and see if I know somebody that needs monitors. And so it was really interesting that uh, I was, I did post it on Facebook and I did actually find someone on Facebook Marketplace that was interested and said, I, I really need him for my son. And so uh, his name was, uh, his name was Antonio and he came to my house. Uh, we did kind of a, a pickup here at our house. And then uh, we met and we talked for about 10 minutes. He started telling me his whole story. He's retired. Uh, he was sharing with me his whole viewpoint. You know, he worked for the school district out here in the Valley. Uh, he was telling me about his sons. His son is uh, in his mid-20s, and he's working as a civil engineer in another city. And then his other son, who's actually going to just start a college, and he wants to be an attorney or a lawyer or a judge someday, uh, he was the one that was in need of, of monitors. He had cracked his monitor, and the kind of work he was doing needed monitors. But they didn't necessarily have money or were really uh, uh, excited about the expense on buying new monitors. And so this was really a great way for him to to be blessed, to receive a blessing. And it was a great opportunity for me to meet him, learn about him, and actually even just share a little bit about God and the existence of God and how my desire to be a blessing really came from God and from God's word. And so he was quite honored to to hear and learn a little bit about what John the Baptist had to tell us about giving uh, and, and meeting needs. And so what a great opportunity, right? Uh, but here's where it kind of takes, uh, John the Baptist takes a very interesting uh, switch because now you have uh, there are groups of people that are coming to him and it is tied to their vocation so they're addressing him based on their vocation and they're saying would you give us some guidance within our vocation right and so in in uh, Luke 3 verse 12 uh, we read that then the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him teacher what shall we do and so now you have tax collectors by vocation by trade this is their day their day job, right? And he says, and he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. And so it's so interesting, you know, we, we might think like, okay, well, yeah, it's definitely, you know, at this point, they were obviously stealing, they were, they were taking more from people than they were wanting, they might have been increasing the rate of tax, they might have been charging a little bit extra, maybe using uneven scales, they were doing things dishonestly. And, and sometimes it might seem like, well, hey, I'm an honest person, right? Um, so I'm not necessarily stealing from someone, but I think that sometimes by nature of trade, there are just certain trades where we, we might look at it and say, wow, uh, um, you know, are we really, uh, uh, can, can, are we really being honest in the way that we're serving the community, in the way that this business is serving people? And so, you know, when I first started in, uh, a career in sales, uh, I was actually a car salesman, a vehicle salesperson. And so uh, it's really interesting how, uh, a lot of the training for vehicle salespersons you learn are really the, the uh, social uh, uh, interactions, the way that you speak with people, the way that you address people. And so everything from when a car pulls into a, uh, a vehicle sales lot, uh, you already know, and they pull into a dealership. Everyone in this position knows who's going to speak to that person based on where you park. They already have a list of questions they're going to ask you that are kind of yes. They're not a yes or no question. They're open-ended, which means it continues the conversation. Uh, even if you test drive a vehicle, they know where you're going to drop off the car, which is right by the loan signing table. So you walk into the tables. They let you hang on to the keys so that you don't think 
So you begin to feel possession on the vehicle that you're purchasing. So there's just so many social cues they're paying attention to and trained on to, to try to get you to make that purchase. They're not really interested in whether this is the right time for you to buy or whether this is the right price or whether this is the kind of car that you should really be buying. They're really just trying to get the sale that day, uh, most of them. And so it's really important you know, uh, when we think about sales that we're really thinking about the consumers and not just what we have to offer, right? Uh, you know, I've worked for our supported uh, uh, director of an organization who manages transitional centers uh, in the East Bay. And uh, we went to lunch and he said, hey, you know, Luis, I have, a, I have a challenge with transitional centers is we're having difficulty with funding because some of our results are showing that a lot of the folks that, that we help and the families that we're supporting providing jobs for a year and, and a place to stay for free for a year. And after they save up money, uh, they leave and they have to come back within six months to a year because typically what the mistakes that they make is they use all the money they save to get into really expensive vehicles, can't afford them, and they end up needing a transitional center help all over again. And so, uh, you know, there's definitely an impact to the community uh, when there's dishonesty. It's really impacting, uh, you know, if you, if you look at even just society, credit card debt, uh, student loan debt, you just uh, even in certain years and times where you hear about the mortgage crisis, things really just impact families and, and people individually uh, in ways that, that lead to depression. And, and so you definitely just want to think about the kind of work you do and, and how do you bring more of Christ into the way that you do your work. And, you know, uh, I, many years ago, I was a home mortgage consultant uh, by trade and, and uh, one of the interesting thing, I, I wasn't a very good one. And so my, my employers didn't think I was a very good one, uh, direct lender. And what, what they said is, is why was I sitting next to other home mortgage consultants during a time where they were making forty to $50,000 a month, but I was only bringing in about $10,000 a month. And so to me, $10,000 a month was good, but I was not willing to force people or uh, make people think by, uh, in, you know, coercion or, or, or even, you know, things that were not necessarily true, uh, you know, maybe uh, not a whole truth or maybe not explaining all, all aspects or even helping people discover what was the right loan for them. And so I was just not willing to do that. And I actually declined a lot of people, uh, friends, family that were interested in buying homes. And, you know, they wanted to honor me by working with me. And but I told them, hey, you, you're not ready. And there, there are certain programs that might uh, that would approve you for this loan. But I know that you're not really ready for this loan, and so I, I don't want to be a part of that. Um, and so, uh, actually, uh, most of the folks that um, I follow that, that I was related to had friends that was close with them. When they did buy homes, they actually lost their homes during the crisis because um, they really weren't ready to buy in the long term, and so it, it was a mistake. Uh, so maybe in your role, you have the opportunity to take time and serve people well, providing appropriate guidance. It may look like not shortchanging someone on a service you're providing or you know, not cutting corners on the job, the quality of work or materials used. You know, um, I, I've experienced some really uh, hard times in life because uh, I've worked with organizations or, or people that, that did those kind of things, right? So I, I had a vehicle with a timing belt problem and uh, I've come to find out you know, about a year later that uh, the timing belt kept switching and it kept you know, bending my heads and I had to keep uh, fixing the engine and it was extremely expensive during a very hard time in my life. And I come to find out the mechanic didn't have the right tool, the hydraulic tool to fix the timing belt. And, and they knew they didn't have it, but they did it anyway and took the risk, hoping that I wouldn't find out. Uh, you know, even, even in, in the house that we have, I, I, I'm in a remodel and just realized that, uh, you know, the gentleman who did the, uh, 
the HVAC, when this house was built, made some mistakes and cut some corners around ductwork in our attic. And so now we're finding that a lot of the exhaust in, in our, uh, our exhaust fans for our restrooms were actually the ductwork was disconnected. And so I'm having to work on getting those things disconnect, um, connected now and redone uh, because somebody did work uh, that was faulty to cut some corners to save some money on ductwork. And so I've had to buy more ductwork, have it you know, reinstalled. Uh, and it's, it, it's really inconvenient when, when things happen you know, during one of the coldest uh, winters that we've experienced and all of a sudden the heater stops working because the ductwork disconnected. And so you know, it, those are the experiences. I just say, I think it's really important that we look at the way that we do work uh, and the way that we're serving and, and knowing that we're providing the best that we can in excellence, right? In verse 14, then we have another group of vocation uh, folks that come up to John the Baptist to say, what shall we do? So it says, likewise, the soldiers asked him saying, and what shall we do? So he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. So really interesting here because he says intimidation. And so, you know, intimidation is the announcement of action, whether verbal, uh, physical gesture, or even a digital uh, communication. You know, I once had a job received uh, an email during a very uh, low production week in sales, and I received an email from from a supervisor, and the email just simply had a, uh, a, a an image of fire on it. And so I um, didn't know what that meant, but uh, at that moment, I did feel kind of uh, some fear around, you know, potentially getting fired uh, because I had a very, very low week. And so, uh, you know, intimidation can look in very different ways. And, you know, specifically, I think people uh, in supervisory roles, maybe you have a leadership role, supervisory role, and, you know, maybe somewhere along the line, you may have been taught that intimidation results in greater productivity. And that may be true in some cases, but productivity cannot be our only measure of success. And so it's really important that um, how we treat those who look to our leadership uh, is important, that they see Jesus in our leadership and in our managing and our support and our guidance. Um, so the real big question here, again, in this end is, is our behavior worthy of repentance? Is it really worthy of the change? So are we acting really in the way that, that we've actually really by faith have received uh, what Jesus has offered us, which is which is freedom from sin, which is forgiveness for our sins, is our behavior really worthy of that? Is that really a result of, of something internal that has happened in our lives is, is the way that we, treat, that we treat people? Really interesting, he also says to the soldiers, and be content with your wages. And so, you know, according to, to a lot of uh, labor statistics, uh, you know, uh, it, it's advised that, um, that you should quit your job after three years. So to keep up with the rate of inflation and the cost of living in your area, uh, it says that, that if you've been working at a job for more than three years, chances are you're underpaid, right? And so employers will likely increase the rate of pay for your position for a new employee faster than the rate of pay raise that you can receive if you've been working longer than three years. So a lot of folks take that information and say, well, you know, I just got to keep changing jobs every three years. It becomes very costly for employees as uh, for employers as you're training folks and, and getting folks kind of, you know, ramped up and, and maybe even providing positions. And so, uh, you know, it, it's important to consider that as well. Uh, maybe you were part of the great resignation, right? Uh, in November of 2021, 3% of the U.S. workforce quit their job. And so uh, why, why did this happen is it, 
obviously, I think a lot of it may have been linked to to vaccination status or, or really just the type of uh, return to work models or maybe even a lot of the hybrid work from home models that became available uh, that organizations were offering. And so we call it the great resignation, uh, just a huge a number, uh, the greatest number ever uh, to leave the workforce and, and look for new work uh, happened in November 2021. So interesting here that John the Baptist is referring to, uh, he's speaking to the soldiers, the Roman soldiers. And so, you know, one of the main five reasons that eventually the Roman Empire collapsed was actually due to economic catastrophes. And so a lot of the history points that um, there was a lot of constant wars and overspending that had drained imperial reserves and oppressive taxation and inflation had widened the gap between the rich and the poor. It is said that inflation was so high that soldiers returning from war were upset about how little they can buy with the money earned, and they were unwilling to return to serve in the army uh, or the empire. And so also new soldiers were unwilling to serve in the empire. So it kind of was true what John the Baptist was telling them is, wow, a, a lack of contentment in your wages, the soldiers actually caused the decline of the Roman Empire, which ended up, of course, them losing uh, very important battles. But it started with the decline in their soldiers and their discontentment of uh, their wages because of inflation. It's true that our contentment, our contentment at work impacts how we feel about going in uh, to that work site, uh, the office, uh, that next job, or maybe you just log into your computer at home. And so it's really important that we look at even uh, uh, what Paul tells us in, in Colossians 3, 22, 25. servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So see, how you feel about your work impacts the work that you do. And it, and it just makes so much sense here that he's saying that if, if, you're, if you're not a man pleaser, but in sincerity of heart, you fear God, you, your goal is to honor God in your workplace, then whatever you do, you're going to do it heartily, not, not unto men, but unto God. And it says that don't, don't even worry. He says, but he does wrong will be repaid. He who, is, who does wrong will be repaid. So he says, don't even worry about those that do wrong. Don't even do worry about those that treat you differently. Because in the workplace, you have such a great opportunity to shine for Christ. You know, as, as I kind of opened up with, with a lot of uh, the jobs that I've had previously, and I've had some amazing opportunities to just really identify where, where people may, may uh, be on their journey of discovery of, of faith. And so I typically don't come in, you know, speaking theology to, to folks that, that uh, don't believe in God, but I, I, I will basically talk about more of a conversation and better understand, hey, how... Like, you know, where's your stance on God? Or how do you, you know, what are your thoughts on, on the existence of God? And it's typically in these conversations that uh, we've developed friendships. And along the line, we've actually, it's opened the way of communication where people have come in and trusted to ask more questions. And it's been to my surprise that I, I've literally found uh, so many uh, coworkers that I remember having conversations with, whether it was folks that attended uh, different types of churches or followed different religions. 
but because they were open and they felt safe to have conversations about God, and it didn't feel like at, at that moment I needed to win an argument, but I really felt this is a great opportunity to be community for them and to really have a discussion and share. And, and through the years, as I was able to shine my light, they were able to see a difference. As I was able to, the way that I led people, the way that I supervised, the way that I served, and the way that I cared about what I do and, and how I did my work really mattered. Uh, and, and I think that at some point, all of those things coupled where, where people really were, were able to, to at some point uh, have a different view of, of what it looks like to work as unto God. You know, one of the, the last stories I add is, it's uh, um, when I was working again as a mortgage consultant, uh, I, I partnered with somebody who, who was also a mortgage consultant, but they couldn't help the person that I was that that they were trying to help, and so they decided to make a refer to me and say, "Hey, listen, let, you know, I'll, I'll give you this client. Uh, can you help them? And let's just go ahead and split split the uh, um, the earnings uh, from from this loan closure." And so I said, "Okay, that, that's fine," and uh, I went ahead and helped the client, but we weren't able to help them, and it took about a good six to eight months before we were able to help them. And the mortgage consultant that referred me the client was no longer working with, with that company. And actually I, I no longer had contact with, with, with her. And so it, I did end up eventually closing the deal. And I said, you know, uh, after, you know, my net proceeds was about a thousand dollars. And so I said, Hey, uh, I owe them $500, but I don't know how to get that money to them. And so I really had to go out of my way. Um, I, I figured that she might have banked in the same organization where I was working, and so um, I, I was able to to ask somebody to do a search on the name, and then uh, to do a search on the birthday because it's the only thing I knew. I remember, I remember we celebrated an event on her birthday, and so I had the birth date at least a month in the day. And so I said, "Hey, look, um, I, I don't, you know, obviously, you, I know you can't give me the uh, personal information, uh, but." If if you can just match this name with this birth date, uh, I'm willing to put five hundred dollars into that account and and uh, cash and and just leave it as is. And if you would just do that, and so I ended up doing that, and I, I didn't know if she had received it or not. I didn't know if it was really her or not, but I felt it was the right thing to do. And you know, a couple of years later, I, I ran into her uh, at at a meeting and a community meeting, and and I just said, Hey, how's it going? By the way, did you get the five hundred dollars? And her eyes opened wide and she said, oh my God, I can't believe it. It was you. I didn't know where that money came from. And I was, I kept trying to return it. And he said, no, it was a cash deposit. And she says, you know, I, I, I never thought, I completely forgot about the referral and never even thought for one bit that um, there was any money coming. And she said that money came to me and my husband who was uh, studying to be a priest. And she says it came at such a difficult time in our lives where we were struggling financially and it really was a, a moment of like really financial rescue. And she says, you know, I, I just, I'm so excited to share with my, with my husband that it was you and I just, your, your conduct. And she started to just share some things that made me feel really good. But she reminded me and saying, Hey, you know, you, you've always done this at work and you've always worked this way. And, and that's just one of the things that I've always talked to my husband about you uh, was, was how you follow Christ and, and how, uh, as a Christian, you 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 live such an honoring way at work, and so this is just such a uh, a great way to to highlight how uh, God's word, uh, the Holy Spirit, has really transformed uh, me uh, in in the workplace. And so, uh, just wanted to encourage you today uh, as as I close out. 
Uh, thank you for listening and uh, listening to my stories. And uh, I just wanted to say again that I want to bless you to be a blessing, be blessed to be a blessing in your workplace, to your coworkers, to your employers, to your bosses, your supervisors, uh, to everyone that you serve. And just know that that really, you know, when because you are saved and because you've received Christ into your life, that uh, repentance and change is going to be a part of our daily walk. And so just keep that in mind that God, God really looks at how we serve others in the workplace. And, and as you're, you're, you know, you might feel prompted to, to bring some change and maybe adjust some of, some of the things or the ways that we do things. That I'd say that's a great way to reflect and consider applying, uh, continuing to repent and bring change to the way that you work at your work. So thank you guys so much, uh, Pastor Phil, Jamila, Inspired Church Leadership, and, and Pastor, just thank you so much for um, having me come on. Uh, love you all so much. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you are inspired as we journey together to reorient our lives in life-giving practices as demonstrated in God's Word.